Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by Nick, Nick B. B. I have a fun fact. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Nick B posted a picture of his dog with an oversized stick. Wait, an oversized what? Like a big stick that the dog oh, is his carrying ma- Okay, in his mouth. sorry. I Ew, thought you said God. something else. Yeah. It's not about the size of the stick. It's where you take it. I just like to set people's expectations low when it comes to stick size. That way, if they're surprised, they're like, wow, that's a big stick. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I mean, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for coming to my couch. Yeah. <laughs> Right, Mikey? <laughs> Gross. The bedroom's for relationships, Jim. Anyway, dog's name's Officer Boo. B-O-O. Officer Boo? B-O-O? Officer Boo? Uh-huh. Is that what the B stands for? Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Hang on. Nick Boo? This whole time. Wait. Oh, my God, we've solved it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you, Clarice. <laughs> Why, you're welcome. Nick Boo. <laughs> this episode also brought to you by... Uh, Rebecca, this one's nasty. This one's nasty. Oh, I like I like when you come out of the gate <laughs> laughing. I search for cannibal pickup line. Damn girl, you look good enough to eat. Damn girl, what part of me do you want to eat first? Oh yeah, there we go. Oh see? my god, these are all nasty. Yeah, because you're <laughs> yeah, searching cannibal for cannibal pickup, pickup lines. lines. Hey Rebecca, <laughs> oh god, it's a good thing you're not a cannibal. Right. Because I'm not going to give you the cold shoulder. Was that a double negative? Like, uh, I'm very confused on what the outcome of it is, really. Hey, Rebecca, are you a cannibal? Because you're giving me the cold shoulder. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. Okay. I mean, we I feel like it. it's a little bit of a neg. Yeah, but, it is. Know. But listen, sometimes that works. So if you want to walk around wearing ears like you stole them off of a maybe personified mouse. Hmm. If you want to make a mouse suit. <laughs> yeah. If <laughs> you want to make a mouse suit, make sure you go to... Straight on Tall Disney on Etsy. That's Rebecca's Etsy store. Check it out, guys. She's got a lot of great Disney ears. Yeah. To complete your rat suit collection. (laughs) What kind of rat suit do you guys have? You want to see it? No. (laughs) 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 Holy shit. All right. This episode also brought to you by Tom. Tom is new. Tom, yeah, welcome to the party, Tom. Yeah, thank you so much for joining the Burn It Down level. In fact, I'm pretty sure we only have one spot left, right? We yeah, do, that spot's yeah. right next to me on the couch. Aw, join Mikey Aww. on the couch at the Burn It Down level. Lap. But I just want to say, if you do join, you do not have to sit next to Mikey. That is while we were not here. a requirement. Tom is from Australia, and he wanted me to terrify Mikey with some spiders. Yeah. And I spider like, facts, not oh. real spiders. Yeah, no. not real spiders. I'm not, I'm not signed up for that. So he wanted us to talk about the Huntsman spider. Okay. I, have, I know a lot about this. Do you? Yeah. Pulled it up on my phone and it's terrible. They are. <laughs> oh my God. They're huge. They are. Thank you. Oh my God. I can't look at the picture anymore. It's Can I see it? Oh, they're <laughs> definitely bigger. <laughs> I got a text and I thought fuck? the spider was coming at me. <laughs> they eat like <laughs> birds. Oh my God. What? They're humongous. Oh, and they're terrible. Huntsman spiders are known by this name because of their speed and mode of hunting. They're also called giant crab spiders. What? Oh, because they're. They're huge. <laughs> the average huntsman spider species is about one inch long with a leg span of five inches. Good oh! Lord. Oh, my God. That's huge. The size of a dinner plate. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Well, thank you, Tom. For scaring all of us. Yeah, I don't like this, Tom. Giving us the heebie-jeebies. Oh, yeah. Ugh. This episode also brought to you by Ryan. Ryan. So I have to be mean to Ryan. Yes, you have to be mean to Ryan. Ryan shames me for not knowing how to keep plants alive. Wait, really? Yeah, I kill lots of plants. Why do you kill plants? I, because I can't, I don't know how to keep them alive. House plants are very hard. They really are. What? And now, like, in my office, I've got a lot of plants. And Ryan, I think, she comes in and she looks and she's like, oh, this plant's not doing very well. Mm. 
Then she plant shames me. Why do you get plants just to kill them, Jen? I try to keep them alive, <laughs> but I came in and Fern was just droopy. And Ryan, why are you being so mean to Jen about her killing everything she touches? No, I try to keep plant, Fern and every Spike plant alive. she touches. Whoa. <laughs> Not everything she touches. Sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Patreonicals. If you remember last week. I do. I do remember do last week. Do you remember last week, Mikey? Yeah. There was a train. Okay. Yeah. A North Korean Nuclear war. Mm -hmm. Time travel. Time travel. If you want to know more about it, listen to the episode. Koala bears. Russell, he takes the submarine to New Zealand (laughs) with a devious plan. He has a plan to modify sheep shears so when they shear the lambs, (gasps) it skins them alive. No! Oh, that's so bad. How did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) This plan doesn't, he's just doing it because he wants to make everyone sad. He only likes synthetic fabrics. That makes sense, yeah. So he did that. He got away with it? Like at the largest sheep farm in New Zealand, they bring thousands of sheep in and they they all get skinned alive. So they Matthew shows up in his umbrella, Mary Poppins' umbrella. Right. But also, Eddie. Eddie's, Eddie's, oh, hey, Eddie. He is a yeah. zoologist. Yes. Ah. He quickly invents a plastic skin to save the lambs so oh. they don't die. But Matthew, he came running because he heard the silence of the lamb. Oh, wow. Nailed it. You uh, said the title of the movie. Yes. Matthew zaps him here with his umbrella to save the lambs. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course. Who coats them in the plastic skin-like thing. It's like sheepskin or like um latex. Yeah. So you cut to a grassy... No. What am I, a director now? Yeah, in your mind. A a man standing there (laughs) with a dog. They both look familiar. One's Derek. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. And one's the dog from Beethoven. You could just say Beethoven, because Beethoven is the is dog, the dog from, Beethoven. from Beethoven. It's Beethoven. <laughs> from the movie Beethoven. From the aforementioned <laughs> Beethoven. So, but the sheep... They're in a stampede because they're scared of this new skin. They that has to be an adorable stampede. It's, oh, it would be cute. Not, they're because they're not sheep; they're lambs, and yeah. they have no skin. No. And you can see through their oh. you can see through their bodies. Oh, I, like I said, it's not a great sight. <laughs> so the, Derek is panicking. Yeah, and but Beethoven's very loyal, right? Okay, and so Beethoven jumps on Derek to save him, but the, the lamb trample over Beethoven. Beethoven's fine. But he gets pushed into Derek's body, his paws and stuff. Uh-huh. So he gets trampled by Lamb through Beethoven. Yeah, but Lampled. Beethoven's fine. But Beethoven's <laughs> inside Derek's body like Luke Skywalker is in the Wampa. Oh, oh. oh wait. Uh, he thought he smelled bad on the inside. Yeah, Beethoven's inside Derek's body? Yeah, because he... Derek laid down and Beethoven got on top of him to protect him, but instead he just got pushed inside and then Derek died and Beethoven's fine. So Derek saved Beethoven? Aww. Sure. He died like the man from the Snowy River's father. Oh, <laughs> I love that movie. Now, Russell can't get caught in the submarine because Matthew can't swim. And no. he, just, he just bolts away in the submarine? Yeah. This submarine goes places, man. Like, it, it can move. It's nuclear power. It's fast. Well, well, check back next week to see what happens on that episode oh. of The Patreonicals. We also have one more patron named Chris. Yes, And hey Chris, Chris reached out and had a very special message for everybody. He really Aww. did, and it made me so happy, and it's my favorite one. So I'm going to let Mama Jen take it since yeah. she's very touched by it. This is directly from him. 
for my weekly shout out, I'd love it if you just let the listeners know that they are loved and they are not alone. Thank you. Aww. You are loved. It was it's the sweetest it's so thing ever. Sweet. I know. Yeah. And man, I was reading that when I was feeling a little blue. That's super and it sweet. Just, it made me feel good. And you know what, guys? The Facebook community, the Facebook group is super supportive. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, but thank you so much, Chris. We're so happy. Yeah, thank happy. you so much. That is super sweet. It really is. We love yeah. it. And you know what? He's right. You are loved and we do care about you. We do. You know what I want to do? I want to take the Buffalo Bill scene where he's dancing to that song yeah. and just put the theme music in behind it instead of what it was. <laughs> yeah. They have to be fucking huge. <laughs> Welcome to the horror virgin, everyone. Oh my god, that was a weird one. That took a dark turn there for a it second. Did. I'm Jen. I'm Mikey, and I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch the strangest FBI training simulation video I've ever seen. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. So have you guys seen Silence of the Lambs before? I uh-huh. realize that's a ridiculous question, but I always ask. It's been Oh, has many, it been a while? Like probably high school. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. It has been a while. So how many times have you seen it though since like you were a kid? I think probably three or four. Oh, okay. So yeah, you only it, watched it a few times as a kid, maybe one of the times since right. being an adult? Okay. It's not one that I watch over and over again, but I do really like it. Shit. This is my first time seeing it. Obviously, I told you guys last week what I thought the movie was going to be because after watching <laughs> the trailer, and man, was I wrong. Yeah. I was right about some things, you though. Were. Like Hannibal Lecter does get away. You called it throughout the movie, though. Well, I know? think it does a really good job foreshadowing some things and mm-hmm. then surprising you with some things. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. But man, I'm honestly a little upset I had not seen this movie because it's very, very good. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get into this fucking movie because I want to talk about it and it's a long one. So yeah. buckle up. Let's <laughs> do this. I also want to say, too, we're going to talk about everything in this movie and there are some maybe problematic. Yeah, takes. some problematic. When did this takes? movie come out? 91. OK, so it's mm. like probably of the time, but we've come a long way. Yes, since we then. have. And so. I kind of think about it in terms of like Candyman. And if you've listened to our Candyman right. episode, there are a lot of things this movie does really well and a lot of things that are very problematic. Through the lens of 30 years later. Sure. And if we're going to talk about it before we go into it, I think it's fair to say that I think for 91, it was a little bit ahead of where I would say regular culture was. I think so, too. So I think for 91, it was really progressive. But now with the hindsight of the 30 years since it. Right. You know, it's not quite as progressive as it once was. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Because we've made progress. Yeah. Okay. So we get our opening credits, and it's at Quantico, and we see Clarice Starling, our darling of this movie. Oh, yeah. And she's on this training course, and she's awesome immediately. Yeah. And I love her. And I like these opening credits because, and there's really nothing going on except for you're watching her on this. Obstacle course. Obstacle course. Yeah, it really is Mm -hmm. just an obstacle course. Have you guys ever run an obstacle course? Yeah, they're awesome. But I like these (laughs) credits because shit's happening. And it sort of establishes her as our lead character and that she's a very physically, at least, capable person. mm -hmm. And we find out later she's actually very mentally capable, too. But, you know, there's no dialogue. She's amazing. I think she's amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do think she's amazing. I'm just saying the letters in this credits are very big. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, they block a lot of the obstacle course. (laughs) Most of it, yeah. We get it. You're in this movie. We, I know. We get it. You're a word. <laughs> I do love that during those credits, you see her get on the elevator with like probably eight dudes in red shirts. Yeah. And then it cuts to the elevator opening and they're all just gone. Right. Well, and Where I think what this go? movie does really well is it kind of 
lets you understand what it's like for women to work in a male-dominated field in a lot of ways. And I think that her getting onto that elevator is just a really visual way of showing that. So she goes into Crawford's office, and Crawford is like one of the instructors here at the Academy. I think he's an FBI agent that she is going to be working with. But no, he's the head of the Behavioral Science Division. Yeah, that's, where, that's where she that's wants the, to that's work. That's the profilers. Ah, yeah. okay. So she goes into his office, but he's not in there yet, and I think he did this on purpose, because she walks in and she sees a bunch of like crime scene photos of women who have been skinned in various parts of their bodies. Well, and I think the article cut out that says Bill skins again or mm-hmm. whatever it said. Fifth. Bill kills fifth That's what it or something was. Yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay, so she's looking at all this stuff and then Je- Crawford comes in. He says he had a job come up and he thought about her. And then he says not even so much a job, more like an errand. Yes, an yeah. errand. Yeah, just kind of a thing D- we need to do. Sort of downplaying do. it, right? Yeah. Because she is still a trainee. She's not actually an FBI agent. Yeah, apparently you have to solve a serial killer crime to get hired in the FBI. This is the one part of the movie that I don't like about the plot. Because they could have easily done the whole movie as she's a rookie agent and it would make a little more sense. I'm sure it's just based on all the source material, you know? I'm sure it's based on the book. Well, so one of my fun facts early is that the FBI, like they are shooting some of this stuff in Quantico. They worked with FBI agents to kind of get a lot of this accurate. And the FBI agents have said that everything in this movie is very accurate, except that a trainee would not have been doing all of these things by herself. Right, right. Yeah. But everything else is like the way they like profile criminals and like doing all that stuff is very accurate. So I understand why crime Crawford does it. I like the way they explain it because it's like she is exactly Hannibal Lecter's type and they're trying to get like a like a rise out of him to like incite him to help. Right. So her assignment is to go interview Dr. Hannibal Lecter right. who is in this high security prison. It's almost like an asylum it seems. It kind of is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part of a project where they're interviewing serial killers and the one they want the most refuses to cooperate and it's, it's like Hannibal Mindhunter Lecter. on Netflix. It exactly. is like Mindhunter which mm-hmm. is amazing. But he says he doesn't expect Hannibal to cooperate, but we got to try. Yeah, and that's why it's more like an errand. Exactly. It seems to me like at the beginning of the movie, he was just like, we're going to send this trainee down who, you know, if nothing happens, it's not a loss. Exactly. And then stuff does happen, so she stays involved Mm -hmm. to keep him involved. But we also know that he has taught her in classes before and she was a really good student and that he likes her. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Crawford. And so I think he thinks... Partly, like, particularly her would be very good at this. Yeah, she's too. capable, she's smart, uh-huh. she's very physically capable, yeah. and, and, you know, she's she's Hannibal Lecter's type. Right. So I, that's why I can look past the trainee thing. All right, so she is asking why this is important now, and she kind of suspects that there's some kind of connection between Buffalo Bill, because she knows he's working on that case. Also, he just led her into his office with all the crime scene photos there, too. Right. You think they would have, like, some walls between, like, the classrooms and the people actually working on cases. It was very, it was like a little too Harry Potter-esque for me where like the students were wandering around into like trouble they shouldn't be. Like, don't get into the Forbidden Woods where Buffalo Bill serial killer hunting is going on. <laughs> the Aragog comes out and grabs right. them. Yeah. At this point, Crawford explains that she's going to go talk to Hannibal Lecter and then she knows who that is because yeah. she followed the case. She's like, oh, that's Hannibal the Cannibal. Right. Because right. I'm sure everybody knows who that is. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And yeah. then I think the next scene is just her at that hospital or institution yeah, or whatever. She's talking to Chilton. Yeah, and Chilton's like the doctor that runs it. Yeah. And he has Hannibal Lecter in, I think he sees him as like a trophy. Yes. Or something like mm-hmm. that. He's yeah. like a collector. Yeah, he's like Professor Slughorn. 
You know, he's just a collector of people. So anyway, right. we this is where we find out that Chilton's also like a really like gross dude because he's yes, he's very creepily hitting mm-hmm. on Jodie Foster. Uh huh. There's plenty of fun things to do in this town if you have the right guide. Wanker, wanker. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I got you a guidebook. Yeah, <laughs> that would have made it less weird, <laughs> right? But he's like heavily implying that he wants to be her guide. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When she handles it very well, too. I think she does. Yeah. yeah. I would hate to be a woman. Yeah. yeah it's awful. But it's, it it's also hard to be a guy and try not to be creepy because you're like, okay, I would like to ask this person out, but I, how do you do it in a non-creepy way? Well, and here's my advice as a woman. I would say- Don't if talk you... to us. <laughs> exactly. Back the fuck up. <laughs> well, no, what I would say is if you're worried about it being creepy, listen to that feeling Yeah, it's of probably worry. creepy. Exactly. Also, you might accidentally say a creepy thing, and that doesn't make you a bad person. What makes you a bad person is not listening when a woman tells you to back off. What's the least creepiest pickup line you've been used on in public? Well, if it's a pickup line, it's probably creepy. No, I mean, like uh, like a come on. Is that what they call it? No. Come ons and pickup lines never work. Anyway, Chilton is a gross, creepy man. He is. Yeah. So he's, one, asked her out already, like within minutes of meeting her it's while a, she's doing her job. And not in right? a sweet way. In yeah. a really, really weird way. But as they're walking down the steps, he's saying, well, Crawford's very clever for using you, a pretty young woman, to turn Hannibal Lecter on. Sort of implying that she's not really smart enough to do the job that exactly. she's been asked to do. She's mm-hmm. just hot. And right. Jodie Foster is an attractive woman. It's not an inaccurate statement to mm-hmm. say she is attractive and would possibly turn Hannibal Lecter on. Right. But it is very minimizing because... Because yep. she's there because she's very smart as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now they get downstairs and he's saying the rules. Because there are certain rules right. that you have to follow. Don't you're... feed Hannibal Lecter after midnight. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> don't ever say you'll be right back. Don't get him wet. <laughs> right. Oh, and also, cool. don't talk about Fight Club. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's telling her why this is important. Because one time he faked having chest pains. They took away this, his protective mask. And the nurse who was taking care of him, he did this to her. Can I just say that it's super creepy that he pulls that picture out of his wallet like it's a photo of his kids. I mean, he's a weirdo. He that is super he, weird. He doesn't I've, have kids. He's single. Oh. Yeah, still. Don't look at my wallet. <laughs> if you were him, you'd call me and be like, hey, if I ever die, I need you to steal my wallet. <laughs> Which would really just end up with me being arrested because I have your wallet if like, you ever God die. God killed me. <laughs> Eat me as lasagna. <laughs> but he's also saying his Pulse never got above 85, even when he ate her tongue. So yeah. it's just establishing the stakes. And yeah. then even though he's It wasn't safely... a steak, it was a tongue. Oh, yeah, oh pardon pardon me, like, sorry. Yeah, everybody does cardio, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now when she gets down there, she's talk- she tells him, I think it'll go better if I talk to him by myself. And you're gross. I don't want to be around exactly. you. And then he responds like a gross man would do. And he goes, mm-hmm. well, you could have saved me the walk down here. Uh-huh. And then I think she does a great job of manipulating him. And been like, well, then I would have been deprived of your company. Yep. I took it more of as like a cutback. Like like a clapback? Like, yeah. So now we see the guard outside, Barney. Yeah. And he's super nice. Nah, and he's, he's super like, nice. here are the rules. I set a chair out for you. You're going to do great. And it's such a contrast yeah. between Chilton and Barney. Yeah. One is like how you should never talk to women. And mm-hmm. one is how you should talk to women. Yeah. And if you're wondering anyone out there, Mikey, how to talk to women, you just talk to them like they're a person. Oh, exactly. You, you don't way, think about them being a woman. You think I'm about them being a person. way more of a Barney type. No, no, no. I, Mikey, you are lovable and you handle yourself well. But, like, that's what I mean. Like, Chilton is, he is like an incel compared to Barney who just treats people with respect. Right. Because I feel like had <laughs> Jodie Foster's character been a man, it would have been the exact same conversation. Exactly. Yeah. I think so, too. Okay, so at this point, we notice that there are so many close-ups in this movie. Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of people are looking right down the barrel of the camera. Okay, a lot of people. 
the men are looking right at the camera. So the men are breaking the fourth wall. They're looking straight at the camera. When you look at Jodie Foster, she is always looking right off the camera, except when she and Bernadette are looking right at each other. So when they are talking to each other, they're looking straight at the camera. And the reason for that is to put us in her shoes so that we empathize with her. Because when Bernadette and the men are talking to us, we feel like they're looking at us. But we don't see her looking straight at the camera. Uh. Then why do it when she's talking to, it's not Bernadette, but the, the, I Bernadette, know, we're from calling Bernadette from Candyman. It's the same actress, and she's great in this she and is. in Candyman. But why do it when she's talking to Bernadette or... Yeah, why do it all with them? Because when it's men, it's the male gaze. So the purpose of that is to try to subvert the male gaze. So I Uh. thought that the reason every character was looking down the barrel of the camera when talking to her is so we would be in her. Like, we Mm -hmm. would see that point of view. And then it ruined it for me when she was looking right at the camera. Listen, I think the directing is great. I'm not trying to shit on it at all. I just think that that's the one time they should not have done it. Because the male gaze that we're getting is always from male characters. And whenever they're looking directly at each other, it's female characters. So they're seeing each other as equal. I understand that, but if you're only getting the straight down the barrel breaking the fourth wall for the male gaze, why then do it when it's not the male gaze? Because I think that's a powerful directing technique. I just thought it was weird that they included that scene in it where they would go back and forth because they were talking to each other right on the bed. Well, and I kind of see what you mean. Like I, and I but think I'm not saying I don't to... like it. Right, right, right. I think it's good. I'm just saying that that it makes more it more powerful not... without it. Yeah, I think it's more impactful if it is just always the male gaze. But I don't hate it I don't either. Know. I really liked it when it was Bernadette, and it almost like there was a, like a sense of relief, you know, because they're not looking menacingly at her, and it looks they're look they're looking at each other like happily, and they're close up, but it doesn't feel uncomfortable. But so there are like a lot of academic articles that have been written about it that are going to explain that way better than I just did. So I'm going to link some of those in the show notes. Cool. I but think yeah. it's super interesting and done well. Like all the stuff I read didn't talk about the stuff with Bernadette. So I wonder if there's a better explanation than what I just gave. Yeah. You know, breaking the fourth wall is something that's almost never done. And uh-huh. when it's done, it's super intentional. So if you ever see it in a movie, the director has done it for well, a reason. And that's yes. why I brought it right. up because I was like, this is jarring because movies don't do this. Right. Exactly. What's interesting is that when they do it with Anthony Hopkins, it doesn't feel as creepy as these other guys. <laughs> Jeez, that's really? when it feels really scary. I think it's because partly because of what they're saying. Like when Chilton does it, he's saying really creepy shit. When Anthony <laughs> Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> yeah. what are you saying, Jen? No, but he's not saying like personally attacking creepy stuff to yeah, her. Hear me out. Anthony Hawkins is like respecting her intelligence. <laughs> he is. They have a really interesting relationship mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. Okay, so now, speaking of Migs, she's passing Migs for the first time. And, and he's, he's this time fully clothed. He is, yeah. yes. And he's saying, I can smell your C word that I'm not going to say. See you next Tuesday. Yeah, see you yeah. next Tuesday. So yeah. he says, I can smell your see you next Tuesday. Which yeah. is so de- so terrible. <laughs> okay, so now she gets to Dr. Lecter's um, cell. Did you notice how he was looking at her the whole time? Yes. And it's the camera, and this is, again, like the point of view shot uh-huh. and and that was intentional to mean that he was prepared for everything and that he was one step ahead of her yeah and if you look in that scene it's like shit that happens later in the movie he mentions in that picture he drew mm-hmm. it's awesome yeah He's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's terrible and awful. Oh, yeah. But he is, Anthony Hopkins is amazing in this movie. He is so good. So they're talking, he wants to see her credentials and he's asking her to get closer, closer. And then he notices that it expires in one week. And so she's not a real FBI agent. She's still a trainee. And he gets a little bit mad that Jack would demean him by sending a trainee. He gets a little butthurt about it. Yeah. He does. Yeah. And then he's asking, what did Miggs say to you? And she tells him. And I think that kind of establishes a little trust. And so this is when they're talking 
talking about the drawings, and she kind of tries to clumsily turn it to this questionnaire that Jack told her to bring. And he kind of gets a little offended because they were having kind of like a repartee. And I think he's just kind of enjoying this like mental game that he's having with her. I'm sure he is. I mean, how many times does he can he talk to someone who's not Migs? Exactly. And Migs is insane. And that's part of the reason I think he likes her so much is because she can, like, combat him mentally. And so he's asking why, and he's saying it's Jack's hunting Buffalo Bill, right? So immediately he's bringing up what's going on with this case. Because he knows what's going on. Oh, I mean, he, talk- yep. he belittles Buffalo Bill. I like I mm-hmm. liked that little detail, too. He's like, Buffalo Bill's not shit compared to me. But he also says, why do they call him Buffalo Bill? And he's like, I don't get newspapers. Can you tell me, you know? But she does explain it to him. She yeah. does, yes, yeah. because he likes to skin his humps. What I love about this is he knows, I think he really knows everything about Buffalo Bill. He wants to see her figure it out, you know? Yeah. So he keeps giving her just enough. and Just giving her the breadcrumbs, yeah. Exactly. And asking, why do you think he skins her? She thinks it's because it excites him. Right. And because he wants to keep trophies. Because a lot of serial killers keep right. trophies right and that's what Hannah Blacher said that he never t- kept trophies and she says yeah no you ate your trophies yeah so eventually he kind of is insulting her a little bit when she tries to give him the questionnaire and he's kind of reading her and just like you've got a good bag with your cheap shoes but you're not that far away from like country bumpkin and starts to kind of mimic her accent a yeah, little he pretty bit. much just calls that she is sort of the most educated in her family and right. she probably is doing the best in her family probably you know financially and stuff like that like she's the one that got away from her shitty small town exactly like from west stuff. virginia yeah mm-hmm. mount mama, mama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your daddy was a coal miner. But then she turns it right back, and she was like, well, you saw a lot. Why don't you turn that gaze on yourself and see what you see? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then he says, like, the famous thing, a census taker once tried to test me, and I ate his kidneys with a nice Chianti. And fava beans. And fava beans. Ugh, so this is when she's kind of dejected and she's leaving and she's just kind of like wiping the shame off of her face. And well, then... and she'll be wiping something else off of her face yeah. pretty soon. This scene, like I gagged yeah. super hard at this scene. It was so gross. Mm-hmm. Cause you can tell Migs is jerking off. Like, uh-huh. yeah, I lived in a dorm. I know what that looks like. Ew. So like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he's completely naked and then she walks by and he looks at her and says something. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was gross, but I don't remember it off the top yeah. of my head. And then he throws semen on her face. Uh It lands right on her hair and her face. Oh, it's so gross. Oh, it's terrible. And Mm. she's so humiliated, you can see, and she's trying to wipe it off. But do you think you can throw that stuff that far? I mean, I think it would, I think someone could have it, it wouldn't go that far. Hopefully. I don't know. I know what I'm doing tonight. (laughs) Uh, Mythbusters. We need a Mythbusters on the MIG scene. (laughs) For sure. I'm vetoing that for Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say. Mikey and I are going to have some bonus material for Patreon. Lots of bonus material. Oh, yeah. We've been saving up the We've bonus We've been storing material. up some bonus material for a special Mythbusters <laughs> episode. I hope it doesn't work like that. I don't know. That's just, I do that's too. So it sick. is super disgusting. But what's worse is once that happens, Hannibal Lecter calls her back mm-hmm. to say, like, I'll help you. I'll help you raise through your career by solving this case. Right. If you'll do things for me. I mean, she's wiped it off her face at this point, but it's still got to be, like, sticky and, like, mm-hmm. gross. I just feel bad for her. Do you think he was going to do that unless Mig? I mean, like, do you think he was going to do that before yes. he threw that on her? No, I think he um, feels bad for her. Yeah, I think yeah. I think he had a genuine moment of, like, I think empathy. so, too. Yeah, yeah and I think, the, I think he considers himself above Migs, too. Right. And he's he like, does, I'm going to fuck with her, like, with my mind. He's fucking with her with his dick, right. and I'm going to, like, I want to give her something because she had to deal with that. I want 
100% think it's part of his plan to escape. Well, I think that and might be too. And I think that too. that's why he calls her back. I don't think it has anything to do with Mix, but I don't know. I'm not saying you guys are wrong. I just think it's all a part of his big master plan. He almost seems like he felt bad for her, but that's what I think. Like, would he have done it without that? I don't think he has feelings in the sense that we have feelings. I think he is like a true sociopath. He plans things out. I think you're right, but yeah. I also think as a psychiatrist and how smart he is, he knows how minds work. So he understands how feelings can be manipulated, even though he himself doesn't have that right. empathy. And yeah. I think he's using that. But I also think he likes her. Sure. Yeah. I think he's. He, I think he likes her in as much as that he sees her as a useful tool. Yeah. And a fun person. It's it's exactly. to me, it's just like Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty. Like yeah. they love each other on some level, even mm. though they are nemesis. Is that how you say it? Nemesis. 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 Okay. There you nemesis-es. go. Yeah. But so he says, look for Miss Moffat, an old patient. Something about yourself. I mean, all of these are clues and anagrams and stuff, and she slowly figures it out. We'll get mm-hmm. there. Well, but so through the course of doing her job, just in a couple of hours, she's been hit on by a superior. Right. She's been like treated like shit by the person she was supposed to interview and then she's gotten semen thrown on her face oh so. and side note it's not her job she's still a trainee exactly. she has not graduated somebody's got a case mm. of the monday uh, <laughs> but she's going outside and she's crying by her car yeah well and she's also flashing back to seeing her dad get out of his sheriff car and i like the way they they shot this too because we see her walking towards the car but we don't ever see the car until we realize it's a flashback you yeah know? So it's, I think it's really putting us in her head. You know? It is. And she's starting to cry. And then after that, we see her just crying by her car. I have cried in my car after a tough day at work. Man, I've cried in my car for stupid reasons. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Who hasn't cried in their car? Yeah. <laughs> I cried in my car today. Yeah, listen, we've all heard My Chemical Romance at the wrong time. Oh, I love oh. My Chemical oh. Romance. They no. started crying oh. in the car. It happens. It does, man. <laughs> All right, so now she's at the gun range, and she's totally capable, except now she walks in, and she doesn't check the corner behind her, and she gets shot. Yeah. But it's fake training shot. Right, all right. But that's a little bit of gun shadowing. It is. Or later, or corner shadowing, maybe yeah. we should say. Well, and yeah. she does learn that lesson. We'll get to it. And then we get microfiche time. And my, man, Mikey and me were both like, oh, Jen, look, microfiche. I know. Yeah. Because we know Jen loves a good microfiche montage. I really hates do. the internet. Yeah. I have a regular size fish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not the size of the fish, Mike. I don't like seafood, so I don't, I'm not really a huge fan of fish. This is when Jack tells her that Miggs is dead. Right. And I'm not exactly sure how this happened. Oh. He said Hannibal Lecter whispered to him all night. Yeah, he was whispering mm. to him all night, and he was crying, and then he hung himself. Oh. No, 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 no. Sorry. He swallowed, swallowed, his, own swallowed his own tongue. Yeah. Which is weird. So she's now talking about the Miss Moffat thing that he said to her, and so apparently that's what she was microfiche researching. Right. And she She's saying he destroyed everything before capture, but she thinks this reference was beneath him, and she kind of follows her hunch to find a storage unit. Your self-storage, yes, yeah. owned by Miss Moffat. Right. Mm-hmm. And this old creepy guy is taking He's the owner. The he's not creepy. Yeah. He's like an old, he's like an old nice guy. He's even he letting is. her break into one of his storage units. He is. But she didn't even have a search warrant. Well, but he's saying nobody's been here in like 10 years. Yeah, they prepaid for 10 years. But yeah. anyway, so he lets her break in with like a carjack because they can't open the door of it. Right. And so it raises up, like she carjacks it up, like enough for her to literally like crawl through on her back, but get crack, like get cut, yeah, by the leg. bottom of the yeah. door, yeah, because it was and, a rusty nail, and enough for her to say, hey, if anything happens to this door, 
everybody in my office knows I'm here, so don't get any crazy ideas. Also, let them know that I'm trapped in this murder storage. Unit. Also, have cell phones been invented? Because that would be super helpful right also, now. Also, that would. storage guy must be doing really well for himself because he has a driver. He does he have does. a driver who is very lazy. Yeah, and like a fancy old evil car. Yeah. yeah. But she doesn't need driver to open that He's like door. a storage no. baron. Yeah, and this is like Harry Potter's storage unit because it's fucking huge in there. It's like Mary Poppins' bag that just keeps going <laughs> and going and going. It, no joke, is like a three-car garage. Like, yeah. it's a huge storage unit. <laughs> well, and so she said that Hannibal Lecter destroyed everything before capture, but he didn't. He stored a lot of his right. stuff here. Yeah. And that's what we find out, that this was his storage unit that he had rented. And there's a gigantic hearse in the corner covered with a giant American flag. And he goes in and he sees like a mannequin with uh, without a head next to like a memory book. And then there's a jar that's covered by a handkerchief and she pulls it off and there's a human head inside. Yeah. And, it's really and we gross. do find out. I think that human head is wearing lipstick, right? Mm-hmm. And like shadow. fake eyelashes, mm-hmm. I it looks think, Looks like it's too. in full makeup. And mm-hmm. it's got stubble and stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And we find out who that is. We do, yeah. Because it was yeah. one of Hannibal Lecter's patients. She rushes to Baltimore to go back to talk to him, and it's raining, and she's all wet. And so she's saying, Hester Moffat, the rest of me, that's the anagram. I love this scene, too. Mm-hmm. Because you can't see Hannibal Lecter, mm-hmm. but you see him push a towel through for her, mm-hmm. which I thought was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I also love that you cannot really see him in this scene. You uh-huh. like see his leg that's up on his bed or whatever, but mm-hmm. he's just in darkness. I love that. I thought it was a great choice. But then the lights come on and we see that his cell is bare. And yes. apparently that's punishment for Migs and the televangelist is punishment too. Yeah, because what they do is they turn it way, way up. Anything really loud is super annoying over long periods of time, you know? So now she's asking whose head is in the bottle. He asks about Buffalo Bill. And says the head was a former patient whose romantic attachments were a little bit exotic. He didn't kill him. He just tucked him away after he found him dead. And she asks, like, was he a transvestite or something like that? And she's like, he was like, no, that was done to the body. So he sort of found him that way, which I thought implied, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Buffalo Bill did that to him. He does. He has that line of like, it was a fledgling killer's first attempt. Right. Right. So that's what mm-hmm. I thought too. But is that is that what it is? I think so. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. And this is what I was talking about. Like, this is problematic in 2020. In 1991, I don't, I think this was pretty reflective of the way we were talking about this kind of thing. It's not really a great reflection of the LGBTQ community. Right. And I think at in the 90s, I think they were still kind of viewed as. Like deviant and horrible and exactly. stuff. Exactly, and something to fear, because we didn't understand. But I think that Hannibal Lecter's saying that and, like, positioning that community that way, but Mm -hmm. then Jodie Foster is saying that, no, they're not like that. It's not like that at all, really. Which is true, because, yeah, trans women are more likely to be the victims of crime than they are to be the people, the violent people. And I'm not saying that she does a great job of stating it maybe for but for that time she yeah. does do a good job of you know it's just of the era you and know the book was written in 81 and, and oh, up yeah. until like 73 homosexuality was like a diagnosis in the in the dsm in, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah which is horrible but yeah that's what yeah. i'm saying like it is less than 20 years removed from that the movie is less than mm-hmm. 20 years removed from that and now we're 30 years removed from the movie mm-hmm. so we've come a long way since then i wouldn't say we're where we need to be but I think we're a lot better off than we were in 91 when this movie was made. I don't view, like, the the murder as, like, representatives of that community. I view them as, like, this is a deranged killer. And this is part of his psychopathy 
of like it you mean Buffalo Bill psychopathy, yeah, of, yeah like, okay. of like dressing people up or doing something like that. And like that's all his stuff. Even in the movie, Hannibal Lecter says that Buffalo Bill is not a transsexual or whatever verbiage he uses. Yeah. That's not great, but I think he says that he's like he's not even really a member of that community, if you will. He just what thinks he, he is right. What he is that they don't talk about is a Nazi. Right. Because there's like swastikas and shit all over his place. Like, that's insane. That, that's not even dressed. I think I want to read the book because it's like, it looks like it probably, they probably have interesting backstories because, like, yeah. he had a mom that was terrible. And, like, Hannibal Lecter knows about, like, bad shit that had, like, real bad abuse. Well, Buffalo stuff. Bill was one of his patients. Mm-hmm. On a less serious note, the thing I think that is hilarious in this whole scene. Let's get into what's funny about it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that they're talking about all this, and it's like, yeah, he wanted his boyfriend to come in for a session because he murdered a transient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, and did weird things with his skin. Right. Yeah. Not call the cops or like do anything like that. Like, come see my psychiatrist. Now, well, we might be afraid of him. Now, Mikey, I realize that you're a therapist, but not Buffalo Bill's therapist. <laughs> right. But do you think that you would have a duty to report? Like, don't you, as a therapist, have a duty to report? Yes. Unless you're a cannibal therapist and you just want to fuck with this guy. Well, yeah, no, I, underst- I understand why yeah. Hannibal well, that's why didn't, I think that's but... why he agreed to see him. But I think anybody right. else was like, if you think he killed someone, you need to call 911. Yes, mm-hmm. immediately. Well, and so part of the backstory is his name is James Gum. And it was supposed to be James, but there was a misprint on his birth certificate. And so his name was spelled J-A-M-E. And that word, since I read it, has kind of stuck in my brain. because Was this in the movie? Yeah. Okay, I um, missed this A little completely. bit. His name was in the movie, but the backstory about this was in okay, the Okay, so book. you're getting this from the book. Okay, yeah, cool, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. Um, so because his name, like people called it James and people called him Jamie, and everybody just kind of felt uncomfortable with his name. So his entire life, he's just hated his identity and felt really uncomfortable like with how he is represented so I think that's what they're implying led to him thinking that he has body dysmorphia or wants to change his sexual identity and so I think that's what they're implying that he's not actually a transsexual but that he thinks he is because he just hates who he is and this is what he identifies with right and that's the verbiage that the movie uses that is that's what Dr. Lecter is saying now the problem with that is Dr. Lecter doesn't get to decide how he identifies himself he gets to decide how he identifies killer or not and i'm not saying it's okay to kill what i'm saying is jamie or jame gets to decide if he's a transsexual or not and he's the only one that gets to decide oh yeah yeah, yeah, that. yeah yeah there's a lot of levels to this movie and some of them are more problematic than others and we're trying to talk about it in a respectful way and we hope that we're doing that one thing i was reading is that this is kind of showing trans-exclusionary radical feminist movement, which is a new kind of thing that's happening in the feminist community and is not good. And it's looking at femininity as like a zero-sum game. And that if, and I'm not going to explain this well, so I'm going to link an article to it. But I wanted to talk about it because I think you can see it here. And we need to talk about this kind of stuff more because it's looking at him as having to destroy women to become a woman rather than just being who he wants to be. I mean, it literally is him doing that because he's making a woman's suit, which is, yeah. Well, and that's what the trans-exclusionary feminist movement is saying, is that if you identify as a trans woman, you're not actually a feminist because you have never had a female body. That doesn't make any sense, though, because men could be feminists just by, you know, supporting feminist issues. Right. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and you don't have to be born with a certain kind of genitalia to identify as a woman or identify identify like everybody has their own experience of everything and don't exclude people any zero-sum game is not worth anyone's time yeah i can't even do math 
<laughs> I'm going to link an article to that, though, because I do want to bring it up, but I'm not explaining it very well. So, Because in my mind, it goes to he's crazy or right. Buffalo Bill is crazy. I don't want to psychopath. I don't want to assign him a pronoun, but like, yeah, because Buffalo Bill is a psychopath or Buffalo right. Bill is just crazy. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that. Oh, Buffalo Bill's a trans person, so of course he's crazy. Like, I don't think that way, but I can see how the movie might present it that way, and that is counterproductive. And there was a period where that was blamed for a lot of psychopathy. Yeah, I mean, homosexuality was in in the DSM Mm -hmm. as a mental disorder until 73, is that right? Oh, he killed somebody? It's because he didn't feel comfortable expressing who he truly was. I I was like, man, that guy's real bad because he kills a bunch of people and and wears their skin. And I didn't think about the gender issues or anything. Well, but I mean, you're also watching it as a cisgender man. So somebody who's watching. That's my lens of the world. Exactly. Yeah, I just yeah. want to say I don't vilify that type of people. Right. I just thought that this person was a killer, and that's why that made them bad. But I can understand watching this movie and feeling vilified if you do are a member of that community. I oh, yeah. absolutely could, yeah. Although, can I say this? If we mistakenly call Buffalo Bill him or use male pronouns, it's just because that's the way he's sort of coded in the movie. Yes. As this, forgive us. We're talking about Buffalo Bill, we and are. I understand that that's probably problematic. And I think that's something that's in the discourse now about what pronouns to use. Yes, it is. And it was not then. It was. So they refer to him as him and stuff like that. So we're only going to do it because that's the way he's referred to in the movie. Right. But I definitely understand that it's like a different thing now. I'm going to just try and call him Buffalo Bill every time we talk about him to avoid it. But if it happens, I'm sorry. Also, we want to hear from you. If yeah. you agree with us, if you disagree, if we're off base, if you are a trans-identifying person and you want to share your experiences, we'd love to hear them. We understand if you don't, too. Um, okay, so the next thing they're talking about is whether Jack Crawford wants Clarice sexually. Oh, it's Hannibal Lecter saying, do you, do you think Jack yeah, do you think he, about you, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I mean, he might, but we never see that come out in the movie. I think know? we actually see that he doesn't, mm-hmm. but that's at the end, and that's just my reading of it, so it could be, I may have missed some stuff if they yeah. foreshadowed some stuff, but she at this point's like, I'm not even interested in talking about that, because that's exactly. not something that I even care about. Mm-hmm. Which I love, because she's Me not too. like, no, she's like, this is beneath us. All right, so Clarice is now asking, what do you mean by transformation? But he's saying, I know they're never going to let me out while I'm alive and I want a window, so he's kind of trying to bargain with her, so Saying, like, I'll give you information. I'll give you a psychological profile of Buffalo yeah. Bill if you'll help, and I'll help you catch Buffalo Bill. Yeah, I'll super advance your career. You'll be the only uh-huh. FBI agent that, while training, busted a serial killer. All you mm-hmm. have to do is get me transferred out of this hellhole, get me away from the creepy guy who runs the place. He's saying, and little Billy must already be searching for the next special lady, but he says right. it not in my delightful voice. He says it in his weird Hannibal Lecter voice. God, he's so it's good. amazing. And honestly, it's not just Anthony Hopkins, because Jodie Foster is great in it. Dude, mm. Buffalo Bill is great in it, yes. too. Catherine in the well. Yeah. Everybody in this movie is amazing. And when Buffalo Bill is telling her to put the lotion and he you can see that her screams is like affecting him emotionally mm-hmm. and then he responds with anger and uh it's, it's, it's you can so see well it acted. on his face he's so good anyway it's a quality film it, it is. is guys if you haven't seen it yeah. <laughs> it's a good movie. i realize we're talking about a very indie film you guys have probably <laughs> never probably heard, heard of heard but of, guys yeah. see this movie <laughs> right yeah <laughs> you may be the only person that's listening to this podcast <laughs> that has like listening to you last week wrongly describe what you thought was gonna happen i was like <laughs> have you really never even heard about what happens in silence <laughs> No. So now we get American Girl. This is where you see the lady who ends up in the well. Catherine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who is, I would say, the poorest senator's daughter I've ever seen <laughs> ever. But so she's driving and we see Buffalo Bill looking through night vision goggles after. <laughs> it foreshadows that he has night vision goggles, uh-huh. which is important for much, much later in the movie. Goggle but, shadowing. Yeah, it is goggle shadowing. But you see Catherine get out of her car in a very well lit parking lot. Mm-hmm. He does not <laughs> need those night vision goggles for anything he's about 
about to do. But they're cool. Oh, shit. And the way he gets her into the oh. van is ingenious yes. and so eerie. The way he gets her into the car is the reason women don't feel comfortable helping Never men help on the anybody. side of the street. Yes. Nobody should ever help anybody ever after watching this movie, male or female. But anyway, so he is like struggling to get this he's oversized got his arm chair. In a yeah. Yes. And he's got his arm in a cast. Right. Too. Clearly, he's just moving mm-hmm. or he's whatever. Like, oh, I can't get it into my van. And it's really playing on her just like being a nice, good mm-hmm. person. Yeah. And then he gets her to hold the side of it that is going in the van. And yeah. then he sort of pushes her into the van and, and is super nice to her. And yeah. then he says, Until he says, What are you, size 14? Uh huh. And, and then, then punches like, her a bunch. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Terrible. And she is still awake mm-hmm. when he cuts off her shirt from the back and you see her back. And he's uh-huh. like, Perfect. Or whatever yeah. he oh, says. Good, good. Looking at her shirt size, too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then you see him drive away in the van. So um, now we have, there has been another body that they found. And so so we're go- we got a helicopter that is really cool because helicopters are yes, just the best. Yes, I love helicopters. <laughs> yeah, they're all right. So there is, she's in a helicopter with Jack, <laughs> and they're looking at crime scene photos, and he's just kind of describing the body because they found another one. He's saying there was no sexual element to this crime. All the mutilation is after death, but he's talking about the MO. There's three days, and then he shoots them, and he skins them, and then he dumps them. And the first one was the only one that was weighted down, so they actually found the body third. And Crawford says he got lazy, and and didn't weigh any of the other bodies down, which is a misreading of the situation. So they're asking Clarice, like Crawford is asking for Clarice to give a profile, and she gives a great profile of it because she is a very competent pre-agent. Not quite an agent. They're pre-agents. Um, pre-agent, yeah. yeah. Now he's asking, does she have any questions for him? And she's like, yeah, you didn't say anything about the report. And she knows that he sent her in to try to get Hannibal Lecter on board for the Buffalo Bill thing. Right. And she just wanted to be in on it, which was is kind of a way of saying, look, if you're going to use me. Clue me in. Exactly. Yeah. I'm smart enough to handle this. I can take yeah. it. You but know? then he says, well, if if I had told you, he would have read it all over your face. Exactly. And sort of downplaying what I think are her skills. Exactly. Right? I think the reason she's the one that solves the murder is because these two men, Hannibal Lecter and Crawford, see her as a useful tool, mm-hmm. but somewhat beneath them. Mm-hmm. And they're both trying to use her. And she, being smarter than they are, maybe just cleverer than they are, figures out everything before each of them does. I think it's her empathy that ends up pointing her in the direction and her intuition that she follows. I mean, it ultimately is her trying to solve that first case that she knows connects to the actual Buffalo Bill, who he really is. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's her solving that case that she sort of stumbles on him. So now we are at the funeral home in West Virginia, I think they said. It is. They flew into West Virginia. They did, yeah. And so this is another issue. This part makes me mad because Crawford's in there and there are all a bunch of the West Virginia cops and he's trying to talk to this sheriff who's kind of giving him some jurisdiction bullshit and Crawford's like I don't want to talk about these sex crimes in front of a woman let's go right. into another room and that's when all the other people just stare at Jodie uh-huh. Foster yeah which is that point of view shot that we'd already yes. talked about yeah it's an interesting scene because from Crawford's point of view he's manipulating the sheriff using Jodie Foster to manipulate the as sheriff. a useful tool right. yeah yeah but still setting a precedent and she's going right. to address this in a little bit which is yeah. something yeah. I wouldn't think about until she addresses it in the car exactly and I don't think he thought about it either he was just like I think you're super competent and you're like my equal, but like mm-hmm. but I just had to says, manipulate the guy who thinks that you're not. Exactly. Yeah. And what she points out is, yeah, but everybody in the room saw you do that yes. and they don't know what you're doing. They just think now I can't handle this shit. So you've presented me as less competent. And to his credit, he says, fair point. 
Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I really like that scene. I, I did too. I didn't see it that angle until she pointed it out. Like I was like, oh, he's, mm-hmm. he's he's manipulating the sheriff. And then I was like, oh, right. So they're at this funeral home, and because it's like in West Virginia, it's probably like a very rural town. Yeah. we love you if you live in. West but that's Virginia. where she grew up. Maybe not West Virginia, mm-hmm. but a rural town. Right, right. But there's another funeral going on in the same place, and so she's kind of peering in and having a flashback. When we see Child Clarice with some bangs, that's when we realize that she's in a flashback. And I love how they present those, yeah. and they don't go overboard with it too it just shows us she's got some issues she needs to deal with yeah and then she's pulled out of it and she goes into a busy room where there are a lot of cops and this body bag that they're about to examine and, and i love how she handles it I i'm sure too. the family appreciates with how you handled this with respect and whatever but you've taken care of her this far yeah but mm-hmm. get out yes let us take care yeah. of her now they're all putting their like what looks like coke mustaches on but are like smelling blockers how do you or know something. what that looks like I, I mean i don't know i watch a lot of tv listen i hear it smells oh. great <laughs> oh it does but you gotta smell real hard <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. But yeah, so they're putting that on because the body smells, I'm sure, because it was in the water for a long period of time Mm -hmm. and decomposed and stuff like that. But And then they unzip the bag that she's in and start doing a little bit of a... Autopsy. I don't know if it's an autopsy, more it's like an examination. Like they're examining the body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they immediately say this is wrongful death because they can see the bullet wound. It reminded me of Jaws. If you remember the scene from Jaws, you Mm -hmm. don't really see the body that much. You do see it some. Much more than Jaws. But you see the reactions. Yeah, you see, mm-hmm. it's mainly the reactions. Yeah. And the only time you really see the body is once they flip it over. Yeah. But now Clarice is saying she's not, I don't think she's from here. I think she, it says town because she's got glitter nail polish and her ears are pierced three times. Yeah, so she Clarice more, thinks she's yeah. from a town, not from the rural she, area. She does more good profiling work. They take a picture inside her mouth and Clarice notices that there's something in her throat and they pull it out and it's a cocoon. Or something. But they're not exactly sure what it is yet. So they put it in a little jar to get identified later. And then they turn her over to get her fingerprints. And that's when we see the giant diamond shapes that were cut out of her They said that's a new pattern for him. Yes. Okay, so now they're at a dinosaur museum. Yay, dinosaur museum! And Ben Stiller runs by for a little bit. And I mean, this is straight out of X-Files, you know, when they go talk (laughs) to the lone gunman. Yeah. Yeah. So there's Bulldog, and then there's Friend, who has some vision impairment. And he (laughs) is also hitting yes. on her. Yes, he is. So Bulldog identifies this thing and says it's a death's head moth. Yeah. And that somebody really loved this little moth. And yeah, like because they're not indigenous. Right. They, exactly. they had to bring them over and take care of them mm-hmm. because they require a certain climate Honey and nightshade. Yep. Well, and so now we see a bunch of moths in a really creepy basement. So this is the first time we're seeing Buffalo Bill's lair because we see like a cutting table, like kind of a stainless steel table with Mm -hmm. a bunch of knives set out. And then another room with a lot of mannequins. And Buffalo Bill is naked at a sewing machine. And we can hear Catherine yelling from inside the well. Yeah. So now we see the news and we see Catherine Martin, who's the daughter of a senator, is believed to have been kidnapped by Buffalo Bill. And the senator's on TV making a personal plea and this is something that we see i think we kind of are more familiar with now but the senator is making this plea and saying this is Catherine. she's gentle and kind and they're showing like baby pictures of her and like pictures of her as a young person and if yeah. you've watched mind hunter or if you've watched criminal minds or any kind of the shows like that like she's trying to humanize her and make her seem less like a victim or an less object. like like an object mm-hmm. and more like a person and uh clarice says if he sees Catherine as a person and not just an object, it's harder to tear her up. And I love that quote from the movie. All right, now we're back at Baltimore, and Chilton is really mad. And he wants to know what's going on because Clarice is back, and she's got this deal now. 
Um, and she's like, well, if you got a problem, here's the number for the U.S. Attorney's Office. Yeah. I'm doing my job. Yeah. So now she's talking to Dr. Lecter and she's giving him the terms of the deal. And he's saying, you're going to be transferred to this place. Um, it's got a window. You'll be able to get some books. And one week a year, you'll get to leave the hospital and go to Plum Island. Go to a is, beach. Yeah, exactly. Now, we're going to cover you a SWAT team, but, I mean, you'll get to swim in the ocean for one hour. <laughs> and she gives him a copy of the case file. And she says this is non-negotiable, and if Catherine dies, you get nothing. And so now, Dr. Lecter, and I wonder if he knew that this was a real offer or not, because we know that Clarice knows it wasn't. I think he may believe it is a real I offer. I think he believes it's a real Because offer. he doesn't really care. He wants yeah. to break out during the move process from yeah. wherever he is now to wherever he's moving to. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't really care. I don't and think he cares about the offer. Like, that was a great touch. Like, I yeah. think he, he respected her line. Yeah, work. I think so too. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think he bought into it. But this is when he says, I want to have a quid pro quo and that's going to be part of the bargain too. She says yes and he asks, what's your worst memory of childhood? <laughs> and she says, the death of my father. And then we get a little more backstory about that. And then she went to go live with a aunt or a a cousin, maybe, um, yeah. or whatever, in, on a farm, on like a mm. lamb farm. Uh, in, in Montana, yeah. yeah. But she was only there 10 months. And he is asking, well, why did you leave after such a short time? Mm-hmm. Was it this really graphic stuff? Or And she's like, no, 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 he was a great guy I live with. Yeah. I just ran away, and we could mm-hmm. talk about it later. We're not talking about it now. Because while this is happening, they are going back and forth. And he's she's giving a little bit, and then she's asking another question about the case. And, then yeah. he's, and it's really... I love the way they're doing this. Um, But so she asks, or he asks, if Miss West Virginia was a large girl. But um, she's, he says there was an object in her throat, and he asks if it was a butterfly. And apparently they also found one in that head they found in the car. And so now we see that Chilton is listening into this conversation. Yes, and he's like, oh shit, they gave him a deal? Uh Uh-huh. Ooh, I gotta figure out how I can fuck this up for Well, yeah, because he... Mm -hmm is like Slughorn and wants to hold these people like trophies. And he doesn't right. want to give up his control over Hannibal Lecter. So this is when he calls the senator and, and is like, oh my God, I can't believe you struck up a deal. We don't see this because it's off screen, right? And then the senator's like, we didn't set up a deal. And then they set up a deal. So now we get one of the iconic lines from this movie. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. And it's Buffalo Bill standing at the top of the well with Catherine down at the bottom. And And she's soaking wet. Yeah. Mm, And it's really upsetting. Um, And she starts crying. And she's saying, my mommy is really important. And I won't press charges. I just. We'll pay any ransom. Yeah. Yeah. It breaks my heart. It breaks his heart, too. Mm -hmm. Which is insane. And then somehow the wall is illuminated and she sees bloody like fingerprints. Yeah, like on the side of the wall and she sees the fingernail that came off. And then she just starts screaming and it's really upsetting. And he starts screaming, but almost like in a mimicking kind of way. And it's very Mm -hmm. eerie, man. He seems very annoyed. So now we're back to Chilton. And Chilton has got Dr. Lecter up on his, like, Dr. Lecter board. The dolly. The Dr. Lecter dolly. Yeah. Ah, Dr. Lecter dolly. But Dr. Chilton is laying in Lecter's bed. It's like the stupidest flex ever. And then he's just... Like telling him what's going on. Exactly. It's, Blowing uh, up everybody's spot. He's like, ruining yeah. the plan. Lecter, you stupid bitch. That, that deal's exactly. fake. Yeah. And if you see Barney's face, he's like looking horrified that Chilton is saying all of this Chilton's stuff. such an egotistical Well, yeah, because dick. Barney's mm-hmm. like me. We're like, he has to deal with stuff all day. And then he's right. like, some guy comes in and he like, pisses everybody off. And you're like, oh, now I've got to deal with this all day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Barney treats people with respect and, he, and humanizes He's a good guy. Right. But this is when we learned that Chilton called the senator and said, did you cut a deal? And the senator's like, no. And he's like, well, let's 
let's cut a deal. Mm-hmm. We'll get Lecter to tell where the guy is. Yeah, and Lecter says his first name is Lewis, and I'll tell the senator the rest, but only in Tennessee. Yeah, this is where we find out that they find out the new deal has been set up. It's now, clear that Lecter knows that the deal was fake that was originally set up, but now a deal has been struck. So they're sort of scrambling to like get to Lecter, who has been moved to Tennessee. Because we also have established a ticking clock. Yeah. Well, I think the ticking clock. clock. <laughs> the, yeah, the ticking skin clock started when Catherine got taken. Yes. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we know it's three days before he kills her. Right. And so now we get the iconic image of him on this board with this mask. And he was wearing a mask earlier, but this is the one that's all plastic except for the eyes. This is when he's in Memphis, when he comes up yes. the plane in Memphis. And he's got a straight jacket and he's like strapped to the Electra dolly. And I just wrote at this point, Chilton is a dick. Chilton is a dick. He's the worst. But they wheeled. Chilton has the guards wheel Hannibal Lecter over to the senator and they have mm-hmm. like this exchange where Lecter does give quite a bit of information about Lewis' friend, yes. which is not the person's real name, Spoilers. right? So he's just yeah. giving bullshit information mm-hmm. and he's also being really gross to the senator. Yes. The next time you see Hannibal Lecter, you see him like in a jail cell in the middle of like a ballroom. And so while this is happening, we're seeing Chilton like just being very smarmy and like congratulating himself and giving interviews. Yeah, he gets some of the news. He was like, because of my insight with Dr. Lecter. Yeah, here's my pet, and he's going to perform for you so you can see how wonderful I've trained him. Yeah. So now Clarice has shown up, and she is going up to the room to talk to Dr. Lecter, and she's brought him his drawings for until he gets his window, which is a kind of a little dig to him because they. But I love that she doesn't try to pretend she didn't know the deal was fake. Yeah. Too. So, but she's figured out that Lewis' friend is not real because it's an anagram for fool's gold, and she's like, "Okay, I still need you to tell me this because I know you're just fucking with them." But right. I, but and I think she can tell that he wants to give her the truth too. Right. He's saying everything you need to find is still in this case file, um, and he's talking about. What is it that Buffalo Bill really wants? Because it's not to kill. The killing is incidental. He needs something. And he says, what do you covet? You covet things that you see every day. And he says, do you feel like eyes moving over your body every day? Which is, I think, something that we see throughout the movie. Is yeah, people with that looking at breaking the fourth wall that we talked about. But this is when we realize that the first victim must have been someone that Buffalo Bill knew. She doesn't put it together yet, but this yeah. is when he gives her those seeds. Yeah, he gives yes. her the seeds that she then uses to figure out later with Bernadette. Now it's her turn to tell him yeah. her terrible stories. And so he's asking her why she left the ranch. And she's talking about she woke up hearing strange noises and they were slaughtering lambs on the ranch and she tried to rescue one and she ran through the woods, but she just couldn't stand them screaming. The screaming of the lambs is what's haunting her And Dr. Lecter is saying, you want to save Catherine because that will stop the lambs from screaming. And she says, well, yeah, maybe you're right. Fun fact, no, it won't stop the lambs from screaming. That's going to take, like, therapy. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that is what her motivation is, yes. Exactly. And I think it's also because she wants to help someone. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is when Chilton comes to take her out. And George Romero is in the scene. He's a cameo. He's got the beard, and he comes in. He's one of the people that comes in and takes her out of the scene. All right, so we're hearing the classical music, and we're seeing a picture that he has drawn of Clarice. And this is when the guards come in. And there, he's demanded a second dinner, lamb chops extra rare, winky blinky. And um, we noticed <laughs> that he's got a piece of the pen from Dr. Chilton in his mouth. Yes. Yes. And so they're handcuffing him on the floor of his cell, and they put the dinner in the cage. So he breaks out of the handcuffs and kills both the guards. Yeah. Moving on. (laughs) But it's so brutal the way he does this because he escapes by, like, and the guy's got his back turned, which don't do that. No. And he's, like, hitting him and, like, 
and really seeming to like glorify in it. And he's chewing the face of one of these guys. And for everything that we've seen in the movie, he's seen like this very sophisticated person. And now we see him just really being brutal. And it's quite a shocking turn. So we see a knife on the floor and we see these guys laying on the floor. And he says, are we ready to start? He's killed one of the guards. The other one he didn't kill and is currently like crawling away as fast as he can. Mm -hmm. And he picks up the knife and says, hey, are you ready to start? Yeah. And you don't know what happens because you see just see him walk off in the scene cuts but what mm. happens is real messed up it is yeah yeah, yeah. but you, then we cut to the lobby and we see all the guards that are down there in the lobby and mm-hmm. they see the elevator moving they're like what the fuck is happening and it bang, goes gunshot yeah, yeah and it goes to the fifth floor and they're like oh my god there was a gunshot he must be loose or whatever so let's figure out what's going on Call then, the SWAT team. yeah then you see the elevator go to the third floor and stop which i guess is where he was i'm yeah. not quite sure what it, floor was. Hannibal it, goes, up, was. it goes up to five then goes back down to three. okay mm-hmm. so they go up to where Hannibal Lecter was and they see the guard that was at one point handcuffed to the bars of the cell Mm -hmm. now like doing his best Jesus Christ pose on the cell being strung up by the American flag banners Mm -hmm. yeah that were around the the room it's great but it's real super eerie yeah and then you also see the other guard or is it lying on the floor (laughs) right there right his face is all bloody and messed up and then one of the guards like kneels down next to him and he's like oh my god this one's still alive let's get an ambulance here immediately Mm -hmm. so they get an ambulance and they start to help that guard so now the police are everywhere downstairs and the ambulances are getting there and they're pulling this guy out and they still think Dr. Lecter is missing and they think he is above the elevator because on the way down they've seen blood dripping onto the... The guard who they're taking out to the ambulance, yes. And so they think he's on top and so they clear the victim out now and they're all just like pointing their guns and they're being very cautious and it's taking a long time. Yeah, they get literally nine guards to run Mm -hmm. over there with guns and then one guard run over there with a ladder. Oh, but first they get get guards to go on top and then shoot him in the leg first. Right. Oh, yeah. And then (laughs) he doesn't respond. He's not Um, moving, but we're still going up there with like 90, 20 people. Right. So they're like, okay, so he's dead. And so, but I mean, they're being cautious because they think he's this terrible guy. Yeah, Um, I would be too. Motherfucker just bit someone's face off. Yeah, Mm -hmm. let's, yeah, no. Well, and what they find out is that it's not Dr. Lecter. It is the guard. Yeah. And because they took so long to figure this out, they let the ambulance get away with Dr. Lecter. And now he's outside of like the 10 block radius that they shut down. Which is cool because they're in the ambulance and he s- sits up and takes, he's got the guy's face oh, off. He yeah. peels the face off. He's like, Hi. Because you said, what did he cut his own face? Yeah, because like, you can mm. see that the face is cut up. Yep. And it looks like he cut his own face off. And then he sits up, takes the face off, and then just attacks the orderly or what, whoever the EMT that's in that ambulance. Yeah. yeah. Oh, poor guy, man. And then I'm like, oh, now I know where John Travolta and Nick Cage got the idea for Face Off. <laughs> yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert if you've seen that video. Yeah. So Hannibal Lecter gets away because Chilton's an idiot. And an asshole, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we see Bernadette sprinting down to talk to Clarice and let her know because Clarice obviously would be a target for Dr. Lecter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Clarice is like, I don't think he's going to come after me. Don't worry about it. Yeah, she does say that. And so now Bernadette and Clarice are investigating again. And this is the scene we were talking about earlier where they're both having the close-ups. Where they're both directly. breaking the fourth wall. Yes. Yeah. They take out the map. They're like, hey, Hannibal Lecter wrote on this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Clarice, this is a little too random for it to be random. Yep. And so they think that he knew the first girl. So they're, now they're going to go to Belvedere, Ohio. And so that's where she shows up to start investigating this first victim because there's probably going to be a clue there. And she goes and talks to the woman's father. 
And he lets her go up into the bedroom and she's looking around. But then Clarice finds some not quite nudes that are hidden in her music box. Some yeah. sexy Polaroids. They're like yeah. lewds, not nudes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now she gets cat led into another room where she kind of puts two and two together because Frederica, who is the woman whose death she's investigating, the first victim, was a seamstress, Mm -hmm. and she's got these diamond patterns on On the back of a dress in the closet that she was looking in. Yeah, and that's what she realizes what Buffalo Bill is using the skin for. Yes. Did you see any of that coming? Well, I knew by that point because you see the skin in the sewing machine, Mm -hmm. but no, I did not (laughs) see the, uh, no, I did not see the skin suit coming until the skin in the sewing machine, no. So now she calls Crawford, and she tells him everything she knows and Crawford says okay now we know who he is his name is James Gum I think they linked him through a shipment of these like caterpillars or butterflies or something yeah, yeah. so they're heading to his house but spoiler that's not where he's living right now. Crawford right. says, I want you to stay behind and try to connect him to the first victim. And I like this because it shows that Crawford is competent because he went a whole yeah. different investigatory route and mm-hmm. like found the guy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But he also says, we know that we never would have found him without you and right. no one's going to forget that, which I really appreciate. Yeah, he gives her too. credit for it. Yeah. And so now we see Catherine in the well and she's tying a bone to a string and she's luring she's Precious She's MacGyvered down. a way to Precious, get some leverage here. Mm-hmm. And Precious is poodle. Buffalo Bill's poodle. Yes. Yeah. Buffalo Bill has music playing very loudly. And this is another iconic scene where he's doing his makeup and we're seeing his nipple ring. I mean, he's saying that, would you fuck me, I'd fuck me thing. And then we- We've all had that conversation with ourselves. (laughs) I mean, I get it. Yeah, but mine goes, would you fuck me? I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. I have more standards. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he's recording himself dancing in front of the camera and we see that he's tucking himself in, which is- He's tucking his penis between his legs. He is. Which Todd's never done. (laughs) Well, I think by the time this episode has dropped, he may have tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now Jamie is looking at the moth. This scene is great because it cuts back between the SWAT teams around the house and scenes of Buffalo Bill, and you're like, oh man, they're about to come in on him. It's great the way they've shot this too, because and you didn't see it. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like Catherine in the well has gotten precious. Yes. And is using precious as leverage to, you know what, give me a phone or I'm gonna mm-hmm. kill your dog. And Buffalo right. Bill loves his dog. He clearly is having some trouble with this. Mm -hmm. And so he is like yelling at her and is really pissed. And then you see the SWAT team, a guy dressed in a flower suit, delivering Mm -hmm. like a box of what looks like flowers, ring the doorbell. And then you show downstairs in in the well room an alarm going off Mm -hmm. and it's like right as he's pressing the alarm I had no idea that he it would actually turn out that when they broke down that door he was not going to be there or that that was his other house that he was not in yeah you think it's going to be FBI busting in the door 100% yeah 100% but it's not no Clarice yeah but it blew my mind and it's so like oh yeah they're going to get him yeah they're going to get him and then he opens the door and it's just Clarice and you're like, oh no. It was fun right. watching you oh, watch this no. movie. It was, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it fooled me at first too. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's so good. The way mm-hmm. that it is so good. Yeah, and so she's interviewing him and I think we're just kind of sensing this fragility of we know she's all by herself. Yeah, um, and, and she senses something bad there. And right. honestly, so does Crawford because when they realize the house is empty and no one's there, it zooms on him he's like, Shit, Clarice is with him. And so she's talking to Buffalo Bill and just saying, I need, I'm investigating this murder and can I come in and use your phone? And so as she's walking around this super creepy house and Buffalo Bill's just kind of talking and being. Lady so and so had a son though. I can get you his card. Oh, did you notice that he was laughing at some points? Like it was, mm-hmm. like there was a secret that he thought was hilarious that he didn't want to get out, but he couldn't help himself from laughing a little bit. Yeah. Sort of when he said, Oh, is she a big fat woman or yeah. whatever at the door? And then later, because she notices 
Clarice notices that there is some danger. Yeah. So she like undoes the strap on her gun. Mm-hmm. Right. She sees the moth. Well, she sees the moth, and then yeah. she sees the sewing material. Well, and also, he's too. not acting the way a normal human being would yeah. acting. Well, he and, being Buffalo Bill. Yeah. And so he's giving her the number, and that's when she says, "Freeze!" The jig is up, and he raises his Man, hand. And I love went, this. And goes to grab his gun and just runs downstairs. Just the way he raises his hands and like the business cards fall out of uh-huh. them, and then he's he just slowly. Ugh. He just mm. like zooms away, grabs the gun off the stove that was shown to us a second ago and then runs downstairs. I love the way they did this because you just see him run down the stairs, never see him again. Right. So you're like, fuck, he could be anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so she goes downstairs. Rookie mistake. She should have called for backup. Immediately. So she chases him down to the basement. she's still a trainee. Yeah. (laughs) But she's checking her corners as she's going through this house. Well, and because she's going through a long series of doors right now, and she's seeing varying degrees of fucked upness in this house, like the not finished suit. Oh, God. The, like, moth city of creepy mothness. But she also has the most unfortunate conversation ever with Uh, Catherine, mm -hmm. because she goes to the well and she's like, hey, you're safe. You're going to get out of here. Don't worry. Trying to re assure her uh-huh. and then she's like also I have to leave you here yeah, the other yeah. police are on the way but I have to leave in this room and uh-huh. yeah. it's like fuck you bitch I know, yeah. get me out of here which you know and she and then she starts screaming and it's really like the actress who's playing Catherine so good. such a good job because you just feel so helpless and she's like I just have to get out of here yeah and then the lights are out oh my god <laughs> and then you hear the night vision goggles click uh-huh. on Mike you know what that sounds like when you go out with your night vision goggles yeah and then that scene where she's being seen through the night vision goggles is insane. It is because it's she's so good. stumbling around and we see, and he's just watching her for like a Rookie minute mistake. He should have shot her immediately. He wants to play with her. Yeah. And I think this shows a predatory male gaze. You know, I think that yeah. was the intent. I think that's yes. a 100% fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so she's stumbling around and she can't see anything. And he's right behind her at one point And he almost like touches her hair and he her face. He gets so close to touching her face. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, she yeah. can't see it all. And it's terrifying. And then he, we see his him raising the gun up and he cocks it back. And she hears that and turns around and shoots him like unloads her gun. We call that the turn and burn <laughs> in the biz. But she drops him super fucking hard. It's she awesome. Does, yeah, man. I call it a Dr. Loomis. Yeah, she, <laughs> she shot him six times. The and turn she and did. Loomis. <laughs> yeah. She did turn in Loomis and she empties all six and then reloads uh-huh. and kicks the gun out of there. But he's dead. I mean, he's dead. Yeah. He and she's very yeah. competent, but you can see like she's almost shaking, but she's like, I got to yeah. keep a gun on. And like, yeah, she knows the stakes and she's not going to make those. And honestly, mistakes. like, she, I th- I'm pretty sure he gets a shot off too but misses well she's very short <laughs> true um but oh, so man. now she fright nights the window open too well that was during the shooting i yeah. think that bullet either missed him or went through him and blew up the window and then we see the cops there and Catherine is walking out holding princess yeah because it's my dog now well, that's how that's how the law works so. yeah Precious. Yeah. yeah, if anyone puts you in a well for three days, you're entitled to their dog. Exactly. Yeah. And now it's Clarice's FBI ceremony, and she is becoming a real agent now. Yeah. And everybody's like, wow, you're the best trainee we've ever had because you solved the crime. They probably should have got it, gave her an award, too. Yeah. Not just like, oh, you did it. You graduated. Right. Yeah. And then she'll, uh, Jack gives her the approving glance. Jack Crawford. And just a handshake. Yeah. He says, good job. There's a phone call for you. And he also says, I think your father would be proud of you. Kind of yeah. setting Which him is up. super maybe sweet. Is, it really is. Yeah, I think yeah. He's just a really healthy mentor. Um, okay, so we get the phone call, and it's Dr. Lecter. Oh, dun, yeah. Dun, I love dun. And this is when I learned that 
if you want to regrow your hair, all you have to do is break out of jail. Right. I figured he had a wig on. Oh, he 100% well, had a wig on. He was in disguise, for you sure. you got to travel to a tropical climate, Exactly. Too. Yeah, that's yeah. the key. That's wig 101. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and so he asks, has the lamb stopped screaming? And he says, I have no plans to visit you because the world is more interesting with you in it. But she says, I can't not look for you. Sorry, we're not making that Yeah, deal. I can't make that deal because you yeah. are Moriarty to my Sherlock. Right. And he said, well, fine. I'm a little busy. I'm having a friend for dinner. Heavily implying that he's going to eat Chilton. Yeah, because then we see Chilton getting off the plane and the end of the movie is Dr. Lecter following Chilton through this town. Oh, just yeah. a couple steps back. But and it's so ominous. It's so good. It ends on a, oh my God, is he going to kill Chilton note? Yeah. And I'm fine with that because they do a great job of setting up Chilton as a person who I think maybe doesn't deserve to die, but I'm sort of fine with it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's a little creepy. We should kill him. Yeah. And that's the movie. That's the movie. Roll you, the credits. Do you want to hear the alternate ending first? Is this Jen pre-fun facts? It is a little bit of a pre-fun nice. fact. I like yeah, it. Coming well, it early, with- guys. Is it a pre-James Gum fact? <laughs> Free gum. Free gum? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So the alternate ending for this, or maybe an extended ending, was we were going to see Dr. Chilton tied to a chair. Oh. And Dr. Lecter pick up a knife and walk to him and saying, where should we begin? Which is so ominous. Also, like, that's therapist language, too. Yeah. But they cut that because they thought it was too much. But anyways, that was the alternate ending. But I had no nope. qualms with the way it ended. I thought it was great. I well, do too. Now that we talked about it, and we've all seen it now, so let's get into it. So, did you guys like the movie? Loved it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And like we were saying, there's a lot that it does well. There's a lot that it does well for '91, but not for 2020. But I think it's it's great for starting that conversation now too. Yeah, man, it is so well acted. It's so easy to watch, even yes. though it's so horrifying to mm-hmm. watch at the same time because everyone's doing a great job. There, I mean, you'll have the occasional like one line parts that aren't delicious. Great, but like yeah. everyone who's like a principal character in this is not acting on any level. Like they're just so convincingly well, good. Mm-hmm. This movie transcends like horror. It's like a great film. It does. It great one hundred percent transcends great, it. Yeah, to the point that there is an infuriating conversation about whether this is a horror movie at all, which is what people always do when horror movies are really good. I mean, I would say it's a horror thriller. Yes, yeah, psychological horror thriller yeah. is what I call it. But yeah, I don't really have anything more than, that we haven't already said. Other than right. that, it's yeah. a great movie. I love that we yeah. have a strong female protagonist and I think this movie does a lot for feminist characters in movies and it's kind of a landmark film. I do think that it is problematic on some levels though. Sure, nope. I get that. But it was, I don't know, hindsight being 2020, not to plug the year we're in, but I think it's like... <laughs> he said the name of the year! <laughs> I also think that it was progressive in 91 and so you too. can't go back and change something that was filmed in probably the, in 1990. Right. So if you look at it through that lens, I think it's great and if you can't look at it through that lens, I can understand why you don't love it uh, yeah exactly i can yeah. understand why it would be upsetting for yeah, you to watch I get it. too yeah. i get it yeah but let's talk box office all right so what do you think the budget for this movie was i think it was probably given the cast yeah pretty high do you guys want to guess um 25 what do you think mikey 25 and one dollar oh geez all right so you guys are a little bit over uh, it's 20 uh, although if you adjust for inflation, it's probably a right around there because okay. it was 19 million okay. in, oh, nice. in the 90s mm-hmm. right so 19 million in the 90s what do you think it made in theaters? I think it made a lot. I'm going to say $200 million. I'm going to okay. say 120 $130 million domestic, mm-hmm. $142 million international. So $272 million worldwide. And I think this, that it surpassed its budget in its first week, too. That, I'm sure, is true. This was 
a smash hit. Clearly. Yep. I mean, everyone knows it. It did transcend the genre. Yep. It's just a great movie. Yeah, my mom saw in theaters, apparently. <laughs> and she did say on our Facebook group that she stood up and like had to walk out at a point mm-hmm. because <laughs> it was too luck, much guys. for her. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, this is her yeah. scariest movie. We need to make her watch Hereditary <laughs> because that is the scariest movie she ever made. She a lot of horror movies. Well, and this was released on Valentine's Day. So what? I imagine there were a lot of people that went on dates and just did not hook up after because they were too Or maybe scared. they really did. <laughs> or maybe yeah. they comforted yeah. each other. Counterpoint. Make a Polaroid. All right. So that's box office. Yeah. So okay. Jen, do you have some fun facts for us? Do I? Jen's fun facts. Okay. So this was adapted from the novel by Thomas Harris. What which- was the novel called? <laughs> it's the sequel to uh, Mindhunter. It's the Man sequel Hunter. to Manhunter, yeah. And so Gene Hackman bought the rights to this. What? And he wanted to adapt it. Um, and I heard he got 50 pages in, and he was 50 pages into the book, too. So he was just basically word for word adapting it. So wait, um, he wanted to play Hannibal Lecter? Or no, he, he wanted to, to play it? Crawford. Oh, okay. Crawford is a bigger part of the book. I got you. And okay. I think when they were adapting it, um, the guy who wrote it, he was like, I, we just can't do every single thing in this book, right. so I'm going to focus on Clarice, and I really appreciate that. I think it's um, great. But so Jodie Foster wanted to buy the rights to this because she really wanted to play Clarice, but she found out that Gene Hackman had already beaten her to it. But so he ended up dropping out because I think he realized, one, he wasn't going to be able to adapt this, and that like screenwriting is a lot harder than he thought it was going to be, and it was really dark. So this was the third film in history to win what's called the Big Five, which is the five top Academy Awards. So it won for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Best Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay. I get it, man. That's only happened three times in history. And this is the only horror, what's widely accepted as a horror movie to win Best Picture. It is a horror movie. Like, there's, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think and there's I no reason say to say it, it's not. Right. But yeah. I understand why you said that. Right. It's 100% a horror movie. And it's only one of six that have been considered horror movies that have been nominated, too. So, first choice for Clarice was Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh. And that's partly because the director, Jonathan Demi, had already worked with her. But she turned it down because she said it was too dark. It is dark. I get that. It is. Meg Ryan was their next choice. But that was when it was a romantic comedy, right? It was. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah they, they were writing in. letters back and forth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I get it. It was like it was like you've got mail, but one of them was in prison. Jail pen pals. <laughs> <laughs> so Meg Ryan turned it down for right. the same reason. Sure. And then they offered it. Well, they talked about offering it to Laura Dern, okay. but the studio didn't want her. And then Jodie Foster was the one who originally got it. And she had been fighting for it the whole time. And they went through all of these people and finally ended up with her. And I think she was amazing yeah i can't really see any of the other people doing it right i can't either and but i don't think anybody she can. just did an amazing job I you know did, i think this is her best movie by i think far. so too now i haven't seen the accused and this is right after she won the oscar for the accused no, that's true. and I i've heard that, that that's really good too but she's just amazing in this movie so the first choice for Dr. Lecter was Sean Connery. And I'm not exactly sure why he turned it down. I think he probably could have done it well, although Anthony Hopkins just is amazing. And yeah. I can't, he's like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. I can't see anyone you know? else doing it. Sean Connery has is sort of notorious for turning down movies he didn't think were going to be good, but turned mm. out to be smash hits. Really? Like he turned down Morpheus and Matrix. Oh, that's right. I heard yeah. that. Um, well, I love Lawrence Fishburne. Me mm. too. And again, another, another character where you really can't see anyone else playing it. Mm, exactly. But yeah, and mm-hmm. especially with Anthony Hopkins. He's so iconically Hannibal Lecter. He is. And this was kind of his breakout role. And they chose him because he had been in The Elephant Man. And the director really liked The Elephant Man. But they also considered Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, (laughs) Dustin Hoffman, and Daniel Day-Lewis. I ate his face! (laughs) (laughs) Hooah! 
<laughs> Daniel Day Lewis would have been good. Oh, I'm yeah, sure Daniel Day Lewis would have. He's like, I hate four people to prepare for this role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Daniel Day Lewis was going to do this, but he was in jail at the time for murder. Ooh. Yeah, he was just trying to go method. You know? Yeah. All right. So Anthony Hopkins is in this movie for 24 minutes, and he won Best Actor for it, and that is the second lowest amount of screen time for somebody to win best actor um he was the one who suggested dressing him in all white in the scene where he breaks out yeah and he said that stemmed from uh fear of the dentist okay it's all white yeah and did you notice he doesn't blink in this movie like, he doesn't blink yeah he trained himself not to blink and i think there's one time when he blinks in the movie and it was for dramatic effect and we are close up into his eyes for a lot too and it's yeah. just really and they're long shots like you they know are. his eyes were burning mm-hmm. yeah but he said he had this friend that just didn't blink and how it freaked everybody out so he took that element of that character Jeez. So that was interesting. Yeah, he's so good. Okay, so this was inspired by the real relationship between Robert Keppel, who was a criminologist, and Ted Bundy, who um, helped him investigate the Green River serial killer, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. The first moth that they found in her throat was made out of Tootsie Rolls and gummy bears. It did look like a Tootsie Roll. Yeah, well, (laughs) and they did that because in case she accidentally swallowed it, that it would be an edible Yeah, because that body, even though it was a dead body, is a person. And I was thinking about that when they were pulling it out because there's a, it's like a long shot of them pulling that out of deep in her throat. Uh You must have had no gag reflex. Right. Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay, so they had planned to have flashback scenes in Montana at the ranch where she was taking the lambs. Oh, yeah? Um, Yeah, they had even booked a flight to go out there. But they said the scene between them was so good that they didn't want to cut away from the actors and that they didn't need the flashbacks. Mm. I don't think think you did need it. I don't think so either, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah. The revolver that that, uh, Buffalo Bill uses is inaccurate because it wouldn't have had to cock back. I think the way he... And I don't know that much about guns, but... Apparently that was an inaccuracy. They just needed something to make the noise for her to turn around. They yeah. did, yeah. And I think the the, the gun, it looks really menacing because it's very big, too. The town in Ohio they go to was the real-life hometown of actor Ted Levine, who was the guy who played Buffalo Bill. And I read that. I'm not, I didn't find a second confirmation of this, but he said the house they're shooting in Ended up being next door to a girl he dated back oh, yeah? in the day. Yeah, That's isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, go, you ghost a girl in high school, oh. and then you end up <laughs> at work next to the house next door to where she lives. You're Showing like, oh. up playing a super creepy serial killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, and it she's just like green. giving you the evil eye, and your friend's like, what's up with that? Oh, like, uh, so funny story. Yeah. Well, apparently he and the actress who plays Catherine like got along really well on the set, too, and they like got a really strong relationship with each other. That's I great. That was interesting. That does not come through on the screen at all, which is great. They're mm-hmm. so good. Well, those are my fun facts. Well, thank you for your fun facts. Well, you're very welcome. Let's do the scary scale. Hey, listeners, our scary scale is a scale we use to rank how scared we were when we watched this movie. It's not the quality of the film. It's how scared we were tonight when we watched it. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All right, Todd. So I want to preface this by saying what normally really scares me is like jump scares and very jumpy moments. There are no jumpy moments in this movie. It was it's mainly just eerie and creepy and gross. And it's like, oh, my God, what is happening? Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to give it a four ah, nice. because I'm probably maxed out on the creepy, gory, gross stuff uh-huh. and like the psychological. Oh, my God, stuff. Uh-huh. And that's probably the highest score I'd ever give for a movie like this. And it's it's great. It's not a four on like, is it good or not? Right. This movie's amazing. Everyone should see it. Everyone probably already has, mm-hmm. but a four for scariness. Interesting. Mikey, what yeah. you got? 
I'm gonna give it a one. Because oh, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with me? Well, I mean, you've also seen it before, and it is how you felt tonight watching it. Mm. So you've seen it. There's nothing new for you. So Mikey gives it a one <laughs> for deadness insideness. I am going to give it a five. There's a lot of um, women in danger in this movie. There's a lot of the like the uncomfortable glare, the male gaze thing we were talking about. That makes me really uncomfortable. I feel like I really empathize with Clarice a lot, and it's very just uncomfortable. Also, I remember watching this movie as a kid and how scary it was. So, so five. Awesome. So this week, you guys made me watch The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. What are you guys making me watch next week as we continue Women of Horror Month? This is also coming out the week of Valentine's Day. Oh, are we going to do like a little rom-com type thing? It oh. is a, a little bit of a rom-com. Oh, is it? Yes, we're watching Hellraiser. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, it's my kind of rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Hellraiser. I just know that Hellraiser's the guy with the pins in his face. Mm-hmm. But there's more. I mean, there's a lot more to the story. I don't think I've ever seen Hellraiser. Nice. Oh. All right. Cool, cool, cool. It's interesting. Okay. Yeah, so watch Hellraiser. Yeah, watch Hellraiser for next week, our Valentine's Day week episode. All right, guys. It is come time for Mikey to prove that he can read. So he's going to read one of your five-star reviews that we got this past week. And actually, we got a few five-star reviews this week. We did. So thank, thank you guys you. so much for those. They really, really do help people find the show. So they please, do. if you haven't left us a review on iTunes, please go do that. If you don't have iTunes, just continue doing what you're doing and telling your friends, family, and coworkers about the show. Mikey, did you pick a review for us to read? I did. I did. This one's by Ty Kraus. Okay. Okay. And he says, thanks for all the smiles. Oh, nice. you're welcome. So he says, such an incredible podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm such a serious guy all the time, and I never really laugh out loud. (laughs) But after five minutes of listening, I find myself laughing and smiling. Oh, great. And I have you guys to thank for that. So if you're skipping the Patreon ads, you guys are missing some good laughs is what he's saying. Hold on, we'll get there. Oh, uh, does he mention it? Uh, Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Jen, I always look forward to your fun facact. Oh, thanks. And I adore hearing your perspective on movies. Oh. Mikey, Lord have mercy on me. You make me laugh so hard, and I love the creative world of the Patreon Chronicles. <laughs> it is bonkers. That is awesome. <laughs> and Todd, thanks for putting up with the movies. Laughing emoji. Yeah, Aww. you're welcome. Funny as hell, but it's great that you can still have paid a great deal attention to the movies as his writing. And still have an intellectual conversation about it. You guys rock and are doing a great job. Black heart, black heart, devil emoji, devil emoji, thumbs up, thumbs up, high five, high five, star face, star face, ghost, ghost. Ooh, I like those emojis. (laughs) Nice. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Krause. Yes. Mr. Krause is his father. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Ty. 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 Thank Ty you Krause. so much, Ty Krause, <laughs> for that awesome review. And yes, guys, please you. don't leave us a five-star review. We appreciate it. We are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network. And yes, if you'd like are. to check out a lot of awesome podcasts, check out their awesome podcasts. Like, yes. this must be the gig, the Losers Club podcast that yes. Jen just did a, a guest spot on. It yes. was really, really awesome. So you can check out my episode on The Outsider and Castle Rock there. It's available now. Yeah, and that dropped a week or so ago. It did, yeah. And also the Halloweenies. Yes, the yeah. Fifth Dimension. The Opus and Kyle Meredith with. Guys, check them out. They're yes. great. Also, check out their website. They do a lot of great movie and music reviews. In mm-hmm. fact, Jen just wrote something on there that I'll let her talk about because it did. was super awesome. It was yeah. awesome. Not only was it the first time I had published anything that wasn't like part of our blog, but it also was like 
I was talking about the director's cut of Dr. Sleep and Mike fucking Flanagan, the director of Dr. Sleep. And writer. And writer. I mean, and, I, I the writer adapted. and director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He commented on my article and he said that he really liked it. Which Not just is he tweeted, he's like, this is a great example of the things I liked about my film. Right, yeah. exactly. This is what we left in. Like, so one, I wasn't way off, which I was nervous about. And two, like, it was just the coolest thing ever. I may have cried a little bit. And Jen, so. it's awesome that you uh, peaked so early in your writing no. career. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I thought it was <laughs> no, awesome. No. I know, no, it was so exciting. The only thing I've come close to is I did a Hallmark movie review on my Instagram and Danica McKellar commented on it. Oh, wow. I don't know, Danica. She's Winnie, She's Winnie Cooper. Cooper. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. She's a winky face emoji. And I was like, and Sean commented on her comment. I was like, you've peaked a life. You can die now. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, well, cool. So guys, if you want to follow us on social, we are at Horror Virgin. If you want to honestly go to our website, you can see the rest of Jen's blog there that is yeah. not also published so on Consequences. Yeah, it's awesome, oh, guys. Check it out. Also, the links to our merch store is there. And guys, if you want to follow us each individually on social, Mikey is at Randolph 24 Jen is at Jen with two N's for Ratu and I am at Todd J Awesome. And yeah. guys, if you want to help financially support the show, please do by going to patreon.com slash horrorvirgin. As we mentioned in the Patreon Chronicles, there's only one spot left for those weekly shout-outs, so get in on that. Yeah. But there's a lot of other great levels, a lot of other great perks. We started doing bonus episodes every mm-hmm. month, actually a few every month. And we've done a lot of bonus content that sort of everyone or almost everyone has access to based on levels. So yeah. check it out. Uh, if you can afford to do that, please do. If you can't or don't want to, just <laughs> keep doing what you're doing and telling people about the show because that really helps the show grow too. Oh, and also, we do daily free content in the Facebook group. So check out the Facebook group for all of that awesome community. In fact, right now, after this recording, we're going to go meet up with uh, a lot of Facebook group members from Nashville. In fact, Matt from the Patreon Chronicles is driving uh-huh. like 10 hours to come watch a movie with us. So that's insane. <laughs> to beat me up. <laughs> I mean, at least he didn't take his umbrella, though. That's true. Well, if he took his umbrella, he could have transported here immediately. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so, I mean, it's a lot of awesome, great people, a very supportive community. Check it out, guys. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> well, guys, that's going to be it for us. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. much for joining us for this episode. We'd love to hear what you think about this movie, but we had a lot of fun with it. I'm Jen. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin Todd guy. <laughs> Have a great week. Bye. <laughs> Skin suit nerds. Do you think they reattached the guy's face on his body before they buried him? I think uh, they honestly, just laid it delicately on. If you had a good like mortician, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. I bet they did. But a, like a low oh, rent one shit. is just going to throw it in the coffin. I should have made a facelift joke. <laughs> <laughs> Consequence Podcast Network.